Good evening. It's 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is webyeshiva.org, and it's time to take up again our class, our course on astrology. Now, uh, remember that what we're not doing is uh, learning the different, different approaches to actually, um, to actually make predictions based on astrological phenomena. Uh, what we are doing is trying to outline, trying to understand, trying to pin down the attitudes of different rabbis through the generations to whether or not astrology is a valid science, or is it something that we should avoid and uh, stay away from? What we saw last time was a fairly long passage, one of many passages in rabbinic literature, dealing with uh, the me mechanics, the mechanisms of astrology, how to actually make predictions. Uh, we saw last time two different approaches to utilization of, of astronomical phenomena in order to predict. We saw one approach that was dependent upon the day of the week that a person was born. We saw another approach which depended upon the hour of the day when someone was born, which constellation, which star, which planet was ascendant at the moment of birth. And then we saw, let's see if I can get it on the screen again, then we saw last time the opinion of, uh, of Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan taught us last time, Ein Mazal Yisrael, which seems to be a third approach. First approach, everything depends upon the day. Second approach, everything depends upon the hour. And the third opinion in the Gemara seems to be that of Rabbi Yochanan, Ein Mazal Yisrael. Uh, the, the Jew, the Jewish people have no, have no uh, uh, the Jewish people are not controlled. The people, Jewish people are not under the control of the stars at all. The constellations do not affect the Jewish people, which on the face of it is a complete rejection of astrology. We saw that Rashi understood that passage not as a complete rejection of astrology, but rather, Rashi understood that although the Jewish people are indeed under the influence of the stars, although the Jewish people are indeed under the influence of the constellations and astrological phenomena do affect us Jews, we have, unlike, unlike the non-Jews, we have the ability of overcoming the influence of the stars through tefillah, through Torah and mitzvahs by fulfilling the mitzvahs of the Torah. Uh, through uh, to, uh, through prayer uh, to God, we have the ability to overcome the influence of the stars. This is the way Rashi understood uh, uh, Rabbi Yochanan. Rashi takes it for granted. Rashi assumes that, of course, astrological phenomena influence our lives. There might be disagreements about how to actually work out the predictions, but uh, there surely there surely is an influence of the stars, and since there surely is an influence of the stars, the planets, the, the constellations, since that influence surely does exist in fact, Rabbi Yochanan must have meant, when he said, Ein Mazal Yisrael, when he said the Jews are not controlled by the constellations, what he meant was Jews are not absolutely controlled by the astrological phenomena. Jews can overcome the influence of the stars through prayer and the fulfillment of mitzvahs, uh, learning Torah, and so forth and so on. We saw this last time. We also saw last time the opinion of, um, of Rambam. Here we go. We saw last time the opinion of Rambam. Rambam, Maimonides, in his Mishnah Torah, wrote that astrology is simply prohibited flat out, uh, anyone who says uh, a certain day is good for this activity or a certain day is bad for that activity, uh, anyone who looks at the stars and makes predictions is guilty of violating the Torah prohibition of sorcery. It simply is prohibited. And now this, of course, doesn't answer the question 
of whether it's true or not. Rambam is just telling us, Maimonides is just telling us that it is prohibited to make those predictions and to act on the basis of those astrological predictions. Whether or not the science of astrology works or not, Rambam has not told us. Now, now if you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that this is part of a larger issue. And now I pick up with new material. Here comes the new stuff. This is part of a larger issue. And there are only two possible approaches to the larger issue. Here's the larger issue. Larger issue works as follows. It's true that the Torah prohibits magic. It's true, as the, uh, the, according to the Rambam, which he, he, we have on the screen, we saw at the end of, the, of last week. It's true that Rambam holds that astrology is prohibited. Magic is prohibited, sorcery is prohibited, astrology is prohibited according to the Rambam. It's, all, all, all this is true. Now there are only two possible approaches to understanding this. Approach number one is when the Rambam prohibits astrology and magic and sorcery, everything of a supernatural nature, the reason he's prohibiting it is because it's simply nonsense doesn't work at all. It's just foolishness. And, and the Torah wants us to keep our distance from that foolishness and nonsense. It simply doesn't work. And that's why the Torah prohibited it. That, 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 that's one possibility. On the other hand, there's another possibility. It could be that indeed there is such a thing as magic. There is such a thing as sorcery. There is such a thing as astrology. These things really work in the real world, and that's what the Torah prohibits us from doing. Uh, uh, although, although these things really work, the Torah prohibits us from doing that because the Torah, God, doesn't want us to be involved with those supernatural activities even though, they, even though they are valid and work, God doesn't want us to be involved with them because they will draw us away from trust in Torah. They will take us away from trust in God and put us on the path towards idolatry. And since what much of the Torah is all about is preventing us from falling down the rabbit hole of idolatry, Magic, sorcery, astrology, these are all things which will just push you down uh, into the hole of, uh, of astrology, and, and, and that's why it's all prohibited. Now, 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 now these, these two approaches lead to very different conclusions, and it's important to know which of these two approaches one is going to embrace. Now, think about it for a moment. Imagine the situation of the stage magician. He's not, he, he doesn't pretend to do real magic. He's, he's just, he's just sleight of hand. He knows, he knows how to fool you, entertain you. Uh, uh, it's, it's just entertainment. Everyone knows that he's not really doing magic. He's a stage magician. He's an entertainer. And he never presented himself to the world as anything but an entertainer. And that, and that's all there is to it. Now, if, there is no such thing as magic in the world. If there is no such thing as sorcery in the world, then it is the appearance of magic that the Torah is prohibiting, and that's exactly the stage magician. If, on the other hand, we embrace the other approach, the approach which claims that there is such a thing as magic. Magic is real. Sorcery is real. That's what the Torah prohibited. The entertainer was never prohibited. The stage magician was not prohibited. That's only entertainment. It makes a big difference whether or not we're going to say that astrology really works might be different theories about how to make it work, but, but one of them is right. It really works, and that's what's prohibited, in which case the entertainer is entirely permitted. If, on the other hand, we take the approach that there is no such thing as astrology, it's simple nonsense and foolishness, then 
It's the stage performer, it's the entertainer who is prohibited. Uh, the Gemara, obviously, as you point out on uh, on uh, uh, on chat, uh, the Gemara obviously thought that astrology works, and that's true. Of the first two opinions, first two opinions, which work out a- a- actual methods for applying astrological principles, that's surely true. Regarding the third opinion, Rabbi Yochanan, Rashi understood that the third opinion also embraces the validity of, uh, of astrology, just that Jews have the ability to, to overcome the influence of the stars. Uh, Rambam, on the other hand, at this point, it's not clear how Rambam understands the third opinion. Uh, at this point, Rambam could be understanding the third opinion, Rabbi Yochanan, as uh, astrology works, but we are supposed to keep our distance from it. Alternatively, uh, uh, Rambam might understand that Rabbi Yochanan meant, not like Rashi explains Rabbi Yochanan, Rambam might understand Rabbi Yochanan as having meant that uh, there is no influence of the stars upon us. It's just silliness and foolishness, and uh, that might be the reason Rambam is prohibiting it. Rambam has not expressed one way or another his opinion about whether or not astrology really works. All he's told us is that it is prohibited. Now let's go one step further with uh, the next source. The next source is also Rambam, a letter that the Rambam wrote. Let's get it on the screen. Here it is. Here's a letter which the Rambam wrote. As you know, in my classes, I do not mention the exact sources of the texts which are on the screen, because you have the exact sources printed on the screen if you want to, if you want to actually uh, look up the original source and see what uh, typing errors I made, or you want to see the, the broader context, you have the exact sources always on the screen. I don't bother to mention them uh, out loud. This is a letter which the Rambam wrote. It's a letter which the Rambam wrote to the rabbis of southern France. Uh, uh, when, the rabbi was, when the Rambam was younger, uh, and his reputation was limited to Spain and North Africa, uh, when his reputation was limited in the Arabic-speaking world, uh, his works were all written in the Arabic language. Rambam wrote an awful lot in Arabic. Uh, uh, when he was a more mature scholar and published his Mishnatara, he already had an international audience, including uh, the rabbis of France, who did not know Arabic. That's one of the reasons, one of many reasons, that he chose to write the Mishneh Torah in Hebrew, not in Arabic, because he already had a much broader international audience when he was a mature scholar. Once the uh, uh, Mishneh Torah was published and disseminated among the rabbis of France, uh, the rabbis of France had many questions. Uh, one of the questions they had was on this very halacha. Uh, the rabbis of France asked the Rambam, why, oh why, do you think that astrology is prohibited? We see in the Talmudic sources plenty of passages, and we, we went through some of them last week, but there are plenty more that we haven't gone through. There are plenty of Talmudic passages, like the ones that we saw last week, which clearly embrace the validity of astrology. Why, oh why, the rabbis of southern France asked the Rambam, why, oh why, do you say that it's prohibited? The Rambam wrote back an answer, and it's the answer that we're about to look at. And what we're looking at is not a translation from Arabic. Since he wrote this letter to the rabbis of France who did not know Arabic, he wrote to them in Hebrew. We're looking at the original, at the original text here. Let's see. Rambam's response to the rabbis of France. Du'u rabotai. You, 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 you must know, dear rabbis, he says to the French, uh, his French audience, she'ein ra'ui lo la'adam ma'amin ela ve'achad mishlosha dvarim. It is correct and proper to place your trust. It is correct and proper to place your belief it is correct and proper to place your faith in exactly three 
things. There are three things that are correct to believe in. What are the three things which are correct to believe in? What are the three valid beliefs? What are the three valid objects of faith and trust? Aleph, number one. Something which has a clear proof based on human intellect. Anything which the human intellect can prove to be true, that's something which it is correct and proper to believe. Kagon, for example, for example, arithmetic. Uh, that three plus 5 equals 8. Yeah, I did that even without my pocket calculator. The 3, I'm from the generation where we learned how to do these things without calculators. 3 plus 5 equals 8. That is something which human reason demands. And since human reason demands that 3 plus 5 equals 8, that's something which is correct and proper to believe. Uh, uh, it, it's not an opinion. It's something which any rational intellect is forced to that conclusion. Well, where any rational intellect is forced to a conclusion, uh, uh, it's correct to believe that that is true. It is correct to put your trust, your faith in that. But the second thing which it is correct to believe in is davar shiyasigenu ha'adam ba'achad mechameshet ha'agashot. Anything is correct to believe in the truth, in the validity of anything which human senses perceive. Anything you can see, anything you can feel, anything you can taste, anything you can smell, anything, anything which you perceive with the five human senses, that you can accept is quite correct and proper to accept that as being true and valid and put your belief in that. Kedon, for example, If you look at something and say it is black, you look at something and say it is, is red, this is something which any uh, sane person will agree to, and it's correct to place your faith, it's correct to believe and trust in the truth of that statement. So, so the, the first two categories of truth, according to the Rambam, uh, uh, things produced by the human intellect. Number two, things uh, that we know based on our personal knowledge, our perception, I saw it myself, I, 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 I tasted it myself, I know it is sweet, the third category that it is correct to believe in is anything that we have received from the prophets, from Moshe, from Moshe Rabbeinu, to Yehoshua, to Shmuel, Shmuel Hanavi, Yishayahu, well, you all know the list of Nevi'im as well as I do. Anything that we have learned by tradition, from the Nevi'im, or Minhat Sadikim, or from the great rabbis, the great Sadikim, the great righteous rabbis, anything that we have learned from tradition, that is also fit and proper, also correct to believe in. Now, it turns out that according to the Rambam, these are the three sources of knowledge. The three valid sources of knowledge are human reason, human experience, and Kabbalah, tradition, that which we have received from the prophets and from the tzaddikim. Now, of course, of course, it's possible. Everyone knows that it's possible for these three sources of knowledge to contradict each other. Uh, 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 everyone knows there's such a thing as an optical illusion. Uh, my eyes tell me I'm seeing one thing. But my reason, my intellect tells me it must be something else. Well, of course, it's possible for these sources of knowledge to contradict each other. Uh, I, I learn from tradition, from Misora, from the tradition coming from the, the, the great rabbis that such and such is true. And uh, the, this flies in the face of what I see with my own eyes. Or, or, or it flies in the face 
with what I, my intellect tells me must be true. Of course it's possible for these sources of knowledge to contradict each other. And uh, if they are all in agreement, if they are all in agreement, then all is well. Uh, uh, of course, we will believe anything where these three sources of knowledge are in agreement. Where there is a disagreement between these sources of knowledge, where there's a contradiction between them, then that's a separate problem. We're going to have to work out which is the more important, uh, which, which source of knowledge uh, takes precedence and which source of knowledge supersedes the others when there's conflict between them. But at this point, the Rambam is only talking about those beliefs where three sources of knowledge are in agreement, and that's what we know to be true. Call me Shiyamin Badavarakher. Anyone who believes in anything else, anyone who puts his faith and trust, her faith and trust, in anything else besides these three things human reason, human experience, and the tradition of Torah, anyone who believes in anything else, anything anyone who believes in anything beyond these three things, regarding this person, the Torah says, fools believe anything. You're just a fool if you're willing to believe anything from outside of these three sources. Correct. Intuitive, intuition plays no role. Uh, intuition plays no role in the Rambam's thinking. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. Science teaches that the five senses are deceiving. Of course, of course, of course. Well, look, 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 look. Well, look if, if you begin, if you begin with a premise of naive realism, if, if you begin with a premise, a, a naive uh, premise that uh, things are more or less the way they seem to be. Of course, we can be fooled sometimes, and sometimes things, things are not what they seem to be. Our senses can fool us sometimes. But in general, in general, if you begin with the naive assumption that in general things are the way they seem to be, then, then, then among the conclusions that you will derive from this simple naive realism that things are more or less the way they seem to be, one of the, one of the conclusions that will flow out of this is that human vision, when you look at something, eyes, vision works in a very complicated way. Uh, 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 rays of light are focused on the retina in the back of the eye. Uh, the rods and the cones, the nerves in the back of the eye are stimulated by different frequencies of light. Uh, uh, the optic nerve transmits signals from the rods and the cones embedded in the retina uh, to the cerebral cortex where electrochemical reactions take place, and based on those electrochemical reactions in the brain, you say, oh, that looks red. Now, now, now you see, starting with the assumption that things are more or less the way they seem to be, that in general, things which look red indeed are red, will end up with the conclusion that redness has very little to do with anything in the real world outside the mind, when I say it is red, what I'm really describing is a certain electrochemical reaction at a certain place in the brain, which is something very different than the real world outside of our brains. Of course it's true. Of course it's true that, 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 that each of these sources of knowledge deserve to be discussed in greater detail. And libraries full of books have been written by great philosophers over the centuries on exactly this topic, which the professionals call epistemology. And you can study epistemology for the rest of your life. There's a lot to be said about it. A lot has been said about it. And it's an important field, a terribly important field. But the Rambam is holding, it is the opinion of the Rambam that anyone who believes anything aside from these three sources of knowledge is a fool, as it says in the Torah, fools, idiots, believe, are willing to believe anything. Now, now, now after having established his intellectual framework, according to which 
these three things are the only valid sources of knowledge. What to do when they contradict each other is a problem which he does deal with in other books. After having established his basic intellectual model, he then turns to the following historical issue. Zohi Avdamalchuteno. This is the reason that the kingdom of Judea was destroyed after the Jews returned from Babylonia to Eretz Israel, there were a line of kings. Eventually, the kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Romans. And once the Romans destroyed the Jewish kingdom, we Jews have been, have been wandering in the diaspora for all these centuries, these millennia, until now we finally returned to Eretz Israel. We have our own government, but it's been a long time long time since the Jews had their own government. And the reason that the Jewish government ended in, in antiquity with the Roman conquest, the reason that the temple in Jerusalem, the Beis HaMikdash, was destroyed, the, the whole disaster, the whole historical disaster of the Jewish people losing our autonomy in Eretz Israel the Roman conquest, destruction of the Beis Hamikdash by the, by the Romans uh, in antiquity, the, 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 the source, the origin of all the historical disasters of the Jewish people, uh, it's all due exactly to this problem. We have arrived in our poor condition today all because of this issue and this issue alone. Uh, he writes this in the 12th century. Uh, the, the, the Jews by now in the 12th century live in such misery. The Jews now live in, in, the, in, the, in the diaspora with such difficulties. All of our troubles, all of our disasters are due to this problem, to this problem of faith, this problem of belief. Our forefathers, back in the days of the Beit HaMikdash, our forefathers, back in the days of the Romans, were sinners, the Enam. And they no longer exist. They were all destroyed, wiped out by the Romans. But the Jews back in the days of the Roman wars were sinners. And that's why we lost our autonomy. That's why the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Well, what was their great sin? What was the great sin that they did? Mephisha Matsus Farim Rabim. The Jews, back in the days of the Second Temple, found a lot of sforum, a lot of books, uh, and they started studying a lot of books. Uh, and they, they studied books about these matters. Well, what matters, uh, what subject matter did the Jews study back in those days, in the days of the Second Temple? Shel divrei hachozim bakochavim. The Jews, back in the days of the Second Temple, studied a lot of books dealing with astrology. Chozim b'kochavim, the stargazers, the Jews back in the days of the Second Temple, studied books of astrology. Now, uh, astrology, these, uh, this, is a, this is a science, this is knowledge, this is information, which does not flow out of any of the three valid categories. And therefore, since the three valid categories are the only categories of true knowledge, it turns out that astrology is simply foolishness and nonsense. It's false knowledge in which we should surely not put our belief, we should surely not put our trust, and that was the sin of the great rabbis back in the days of the Second Temple. That was the sin of the Jewish people back in the days of the Jewish people that they embraced astrology. They believed in it. And that was their sin. Putting your faith, putting your trust in astrology is fundamentally 
a, 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 an idolatrous belief. Uh, we believe only in God, the creator of the world. If you, someone who believes that he's under the control of this constellation, that star, this planet, well, this is akin to idolatry. It's not akin to idolatry. It is idolatry. After all, you are believing that you are under the control of these uh, astral bodies. And not only is it false, not only is it simply not true, but it's even worse than being not true. It's idolatrous if you believe in astrology. And that's exactly what I explained, the Rambam writes on the previous screen, in, in the Mishnah Torah, and we saw that text uh, last week. I, I explained in the Mishnah Torah that, uh, uh, that uh, astrology uh, belongs in the category of idolatry. Ta'u, the uh, uh, one can... Uh, the, 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 the Jews back in the days of the, of the Second Temple were in error. They were wrong. Nahuacharehem, and they 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 swarmed. The Jews swarmed after the idolaters and and pursued the idolaters and and and, and wanted to know what the astrologer what the astrologers could tell them. Those Jews back in the days of the Second Temple falsely imagined dimu, falsely imagined they they fantasized that astrology is a great wisdom. They thought it was a great wisdom. It's not wisdom at all. It's just foolishness. The Jews, the Jews back in the days of the Second Temple thought that astrology would be very useful and beneficial for them. And the fools, the Jews, back in the days of the Second Temple, devoted so much time and energy to astrology that they failed to devote time and energy to military strategy. The Lobakibusharatot. They 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 devoted not enough time and energy to military strategy or how to wage war. Eladimu, rather, instead they fantasized. They fantasized that they could beat the Romans through using astrological wisdom. And astrological wisdom is not wisdom at all. It's just foolishness. Had they, had they not wasted their time on, on astrological foolishness, and had they devoted that time and energy to military strategy and how to wage war, they might have won the war against the Romans. The reason they lost the war against the Romans is because they frittered away their time. They wasted their time and energy on the nonsense of astrology. Lefichach, therefore, that's why the prophets call the astrologers shchalim, the evilim, fools and, and, uh, fools and stupid people. Uh, uh, astrology is simply foolishness and stupidity. Wow. Now, it, it, uh, the Rambam's position is perfectly clear. Uh, and uh, not only is the Rambam's position perfectly clear, but it is very forcefully formulated. It's hard to imagine a more forceful, for, a more forceful rejection of astrology than this. It is foolish. It is nonsense. Uh, it is not wisdom. It is idolatry. Uh, and it is responsible historically responsible for all the troubles that the Jewish people have been enduring through the millennia. Uh, hard to imagine a stronger condemnation of astrology than that. Now, now, now this, of course, this, of course, puts uh, uh, Rambam uh, in opposition to Rashi, who we saw last week. Uh, Rashi, who we saw last week, took it as a matter of course, said, of, of course, of, Rashi said, of course, astrological influences are true and valid, and, and of course, our lives are influenced by the stars. All Rabbi Yochanan meant, Rashi taught us, is that we have the ability to overcome the influence of the stars through Torah and mitzvahs. Uh, 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 Rashi embraced 
the validity of astrology and uh, uh, the Jew who is foolish enough not to do Torah and mitzvahs, the Jew who is foolish enough to leave himself entirely under the influence of the stars, so be it. He'll be entirely under the influence of the stars. But the, 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 the wise Jew will, of course, fulfill the Torah and do and uh, fulfill the mitzvahs of the Torah and learn Torah and, and pray to God, thereby being able to overcome uh, the influence of the stars. Uh, but the influence is surely there, surely valid, according to Rashi, according to Rambam. Not only is there no such thing as influence of the stars, it's even worse than that. It's idolatry. It's, uh, if, if, if anything is worse than, than idolatry, this is it, because it's the source of all of the historical disasters that the Jewish people have suffered from. Now, uh, according to Rambam, it's clear that there is no validity in the science of astrology, uh, and therefore, the Rambam, as you correctly point out on, uh, on chat, uh, the Rambam, was a rationalist. Uh, there is no such thing. He, he wrote, "There is no such thing as astrology. It's all it's all nonsense. There is no such thing as sorcery. It's just nonsense. There is no such thing as magic. It's just nonsense." And therefore, when the Torah prohibited these things, what the Torah was prohibiting is not a real magician. There's no such thing as a real magician. Uh, uh, the Torah was not prohibiting a real sorcerer. There's no such thing. Uh, the Torah was not prohibiting real astrologers. A uh, real astrologer. So there's no such thing. Uh, what, what the Torah was prohibiting was the person who imitates these activities, the stage performer, the entertainer, uh, the person who uh, who's making believe as though that he is a magician, a sorcerer, or an astrologer. That's surely. Surely the position of the Rambam, the entertainer, is exactly what the Torah is prohibiting. Uh, uh, it cannot be that the Torah is prohibiting real magic because there's no such thing. Rashi, on the other hand, who did embrace the validity of these, of these phenomena, he has, of course, a very different approach. We'll, we'll see more about Rashi's approach a little bit later. Now, now, if you think about it for a moment, you will realize that Rambam's approach, as you, as you yourself pointed out on chat, uh, Rambam's approach leaves us with a big problem. Uh, many of the great rabbis of the Talmudic period, many of the great rabbis in the Gemara were themselves astrologers and, and taught us their astrological methods. Uh, that they taught us, well, we only saw one passage last time, there are many more passages we could look at, that, that they taught us in great detail exactly how to utilize uh, astral phenomena, the position of the stars, in order to determine uh, what's going to happen or what's not going to happen, what's good to do and what's bad to do, and so forth and so on. This world is the Rambam. Is the Rambam saying, and this is exactly what you asked on chat, is the Rambam saying that all those great rabbis were, were just wrong? Uh, is, can it be that the Rambam is just dismissing out of hand uh, all of the rabbis? We're talking about a lot of rabbis back in antiquity uh, who, who, wrote, who wrote all of this astrological material and left it for us to study. Is the Rambam just saying that they're all silly? Is the Rambam just saying that all those great rabbis are just stupid? Uh, did, uh, how on earth? How on earth are we going to square? How on earth are we going to understand Rambam's approach to Talmudic literature? Let's go one step further. Here we have the Teferis Yisrael. Teferis Yisrael is a commentary on the Mishnah. It's um, uh, printed in the bottom of the page in every standard edition of the Mishnah. Uh, talking about 18th century Germany, the name of the author was Rabbi Lifshitz. But uh, if you tell someone that you learned the opinion of Rabbi Lifshitz, no one will know who you're talking about. You have to call him the Teferis Yisrael. That was the name of the Sefer, and that's how he is known in the Yeshiva world today, the Teferis Yisrael. Uh, let's, see. let's see what he has to say. These are the words of the Teferis Yisrael. 
The Tosafot, in the Tosafos, on the outside margin of the page, uh, in the Gemara, Pershu, they explained, Shehakol Talwibamazel. According to the Tosafot, everything that happens depends upon Mazel. And as we uh, mentioned last week, Mazel, although normally translated luck nowadays, the real meaning of the word Mazel is constellation. Const- yeah, metaphorically, we'll get to this. The, the, the uh, Mazal really, the real meaning is constellation, Mazal of stars, and the Tosafot taught us everything depends upon Mazal, everything which happens in this world depends upon the position of the constellations, upon the position of the stars. When, uh, when one Jew says to another, Mazal Tov, normally translated something like congratulations on a great event, on getting married, on having a baby, whatever the happy event is, the, 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 the real original meaning of the phrase mazal tov is, I hope that this great event, the marriage, the birth, whatever it is, the great event occurs under the influence of a good constellation, mazal tov. That's the original meaning of the phrase. And the Tosafot wrote, everything which happens in this world is influenced by the stars. Now, that's what the Tosafot said. Our author adds the following commentary. Well, when the Tosafot used the word mazal, constellation, the Tosafot did not mean Ma'amata kochavim b'sha'at ibur The Tosafot did not mean, heaven forbid, the Tosafot did not mean that the position of the constellations have an influence over people who were born at that moment. Heaven forbid that this idea would ever be entertained by the great rabbis of the Tosafot. Lo Among the Jewish people, it is impossible. To, to entertain the idea is impossible. To entertain the idea that events in this world are controlled by the stars. The Rambam already screamed against astrology. The Mikhtavol Ir Marcelia, in his letter that he wrote to the rabbis of Marseille in southern France, that's the letter we just saw on the previous screen, the Rambam already screamed against astrology. It is impossible, our author says, that any rabbi, it is impossible that any educated Jew would entertain the idea, would agree to the idea, would believe in the idea that astral phenomena affects life, affect life down here on this world. And if you find in the Talmud, in the Shash, in the six volumes, in the six sections of the Talmud, if you find in Talmudic literature that our great rabbis said things, the opposite, if you find in the Talmud passages, and we went through such passages ourselves, which seem to imply that the great rabbis believed in astrology, if you find such passages in Talmudic literature, we are obligated to say that they didn't mean it literally. It's all intended as a metaphor, but the rabbis surely could not have possibly meant that the events in this world are controlled by the stars, and those passages which seem to be saying that are to be interpreted, we are obligated to interpret them metaphorically, uh, 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 allegorically, Uh, you work very hard, and you'll find some explanation which will remove the astrological content from those passages, and that's what we have to do. Since the Rambam screamed against astrology, the Rambam surely cannot be saying that all those rabbis in the Talmud were silly, stupid people. 
the Rambam must believe and we must work very hard to explain that those rabbis were not speaking literally. They did not really, literally mean that events in this world are controlled by the stars. They were talking about metaphors. They were talking about parables. Let's try to figure out what they were really referring to. Now, now uh, what we've seen up to this point is a very strong uh, contingent of rabbis following in the thinking of the Rambam who are total, complete, and absolute rejectionists of astrology or anything of a supernatural nature. Now, now of, course, of course, these are not all the rabbis in the world. And if you know anything about rabbis, you know that it's in the nature of rabbis that they disagree with each other. That's what rabbis do. They disagree with each other just about all the time and just about on every topic imaginable. Well, this too, this too, astrology too, is a subject of controversy. What we've looked at up till this point is the approach of the rejectionists, those like the Rambab, those following the lead of the Rambab, who reject, absolutely reject, the validity of, uh, of, of astrology. Um, uh, not all the rabbis take this approach. Let's begin to look at the other side. Well, I'm not going to be able to complete this today, but at least we can begin to look at the side. Now we can begin to look at the side, those rabbis who embrace the validity of astrology and believe it to be a true valid way of understanding the way the way the way the world works that's uh, uh now now we begin the other side now we begin uh, those rabbis who embrace uh, astrology the first is the yadiktana the yadiktana uh is from uh, uh is from the 19th century commentary on the rambam and when he comes to comment on the passage that we saw a few screens ago, when he comes to comment on the passage where the Rambam rejects astrology, this is what the Yad Katana says. These are his words. Kvar Galui, it is well known, umifursam, and famous, well known and well established, asher inyan olama shafel hazeh, that events in this lowly world upon which we live, it is well established that events in this lowly world, it's well known and well established that events that occur in this lowly world are influenced by the mazalot, the constellations, and the celestial bodies, that means the stars, the planets, comets, and so all the celestial bodies that we see in the sky. It's well known and well established, and it's a simple fact that events in this world are influenced by astral phenomena. That's a complicated way of saying the Rambam is wrong. However, however, we Jews are commanded to put our faith in God. We Jews are commanded to trust in God. It's true that astrology works and is a valid science, a valid way of explaining events in this world. But we Jews are commanded to put our trust in God, not in the astrologers. Now, he's not talking about other sciences here, but in other, in other passages he does. It's true, he says in other passages, that the science of medicine is a valid and true science, and they do indeed know how to cure people. But the Torah commands us to put our faith and trust not in the physician, but in the creator of the world, in God. And therefore, although the science of medicine is a true and valid science, we Jews say hands off, 
We Jews do not engage in that. We put our trust and faith in God. Astrology is a valid and true science which actually explains events in this world, but we Jews uh, uh, put our faith and trust only in God. As long as the Jews attach themselves to God, as long as the Jews adhere to God and keep his Torah, as ein mazar the Jews don't have to worry about the influence of the stars. The stars cannot affect you if you keep Torah. The Imloyishmura Torah, if on the other hand, you do not keep Torah properly, if on the other hand, you do not put your faith and trust in God, Yishmut Bo then you will be under the control of the stars. Okay, now, 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 now here, we've, here, here we're beginning to outline a middle approach. Before we saw the rejectionist approach, and now we're seeing a middle approach, an approach according to which the science of astrology is real and valid, it really works, but we're not supposed to do it. It's not foolish, it's not stupid, it's a very deep, profound, and wise science, but... We Jews say, hands off, we do not actually uh, consult astrology. Uh, we put all our faith and trust in Torah, in Torah and mitzvahs. Well, uh, uh, this is a middle path. In a sense, he is embracing astrology, but in a sense, he's also rejecting it. It's true, but we do not get involved. Uh, those Jews who fail to attach themselves to God, those Jews who are not Torah observant, they're the ones who will truly be under the total control of the, uh, of the astral phenomena. Uh, but uh, we Jews who are Torah observant, we don't have to be concerned. We don't have to be concerned with that. He, 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 continues, he continues and says, and this is the same author, it therefore follows that the following is a, a capsule understanding of the issue. Here is his brief formulation of the issue. Surely, we, certainly, of course, we Jews, the holy nation, will not turn to astrologers for advice. Uh, we will not turn to those who possess the mazalot. we will not turn, we will not address those who possess the wisdom of astrology, we will not consult with astrologers in order to know in order to know what course of events, what course of action will be successful. If we want to know which course of action will be successful, we do not consult astrologers. We don't ask the astrologers what the astral phenomena have to say about a proposed course of action. We will not act in accord with uh, what the astrologers teach us. Heaven forbid, Mizot. Heaven forbid that we consult the astrologers. Anyone who consults the astrologers is abandoning his or her attachment to God. We must put our faith and trust in God, which means do the Torah, do the mitzvahs, daven and pray well, and all will be well, as long as you attach yourself to God, the Torah, and the mitzvahs. As soon as you detach yourself from God, Torah, and mitzvahs, and go consult the astrologers, or as he would say in another passage, go and consult the physicians, well, you're turning away from God. Uh, science, the science of medicine uh, might indeed be true, but anyone who embraces it is a turning away from God. 
that the science of astrology might well indeed is indeed true and valid, but anyone who follows it is turning away from God. That's no good. The reason why we do not consult astrologers is not only because consulting an astrologer is turning away from God, but also there is no such thing as a certain future aside from what the prophets prophesied. The prophets were able to predict the future because God told them what the future held in store. Aside from the prophets, no one is capable of predicting the future without making mistakes. Everyone who tries to predict the future, whether it's the weather forecaster or the financial advisor, well, you name it, anyone who tries to predict the future, the physician who tries to predict the future, what will happen if you take this course of medicine, anyone, any human who tries to predict the future is inevitably going to be wrong sometimes. The only humans who are always correct in predicting the future were the prophets who received direct direct prophecy from God. Anything which is predicted by the wise men of astrology is in doubt. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Exactly the same position we would take about anyone who makes a prediction about the weather or the course of therapy for someone who takes a certain medicine. Maybe it's going to work the way they say it's going to work. Maybe it isn't. There's no certainty regarding the future aside from true prophecy. Well, uh, uh, what humans predict is doubtful, ma'od, very doubtful, whether or not they've got the future correctly predicted. Well, in general, you can count on the physicians. Well, back in back in those days, in most in the majority of cases, you can you can count you can you can depend upon the physicians, the financial predictors, the the weather forecasters, and the astrologers of majority of times being wrong in their predictions. Correct. So far, we're talking about predicting the future and not changing things. Uh, uh, things which are true are not prohibited. God never wanted to prohibit true and valid things. The only reason that certain sciences are prohibited is because they represent a turning away from God. The enam tamim Anyone who pursues certain sciences, whether it's weather forecasting or, or medicine or, or astrology, is inevitably turning away from his or her trust in God. That's the whole problem. And this is what the verse in the Torah means when it says, Tamim in Parshas Kedoshim, you must be pure with God. That means your faith and trust must be entirely in God, not in meteorology, the science of weather, not in financial forecasting, not in astrology. Anyone who puts his faith in those areas of wisdom, even, even, even though there's a lot of truth in it, even though, uh, even though people in finance really do have a lot of understanding about the way markets work, even though weather forecasters uh, really do have understanding about the way the, the forces of nature work and what the weather is going to be tomorrow, even though the science is a true science, uh, uh, depending on it, depending upon those sciences like astrology, which he holds to be a valid science, represents a turning away from God. Um, here we have the beginning of a middle approach. Rambam and his followers, complete rejectionists. It's just silly and foolish and therefore prohibited, worse than prohibited. It's idolatry, worse than idolatry. It's caused the downfall of the Jewish people. Now we're beginning the middle approach, the approach which holds 
it's true, but still uh, we shouldn't engage in it. We're going to pause at this time. In Mietz Hashem next week, uh, we'll continue uh, fleshing out this middle approach, and then eventually we're going to turn to the uh, the other end of the spectrum, the spectrum, the end of the spectrum, which embraces uh, astrology altogether. Uh, until then, I wish you a good week and a Shabbat Shalom. I look forward to seeing you all again a week from tonight. Until then, Shalom Shalom.